0: Welcome to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast, an ongoing conversation about some of the most important issues facing the local church today. I'm your host, Andrew Arndt, along with Jason Jackson. And uh, we're joined today by Jason's wife, Sarah, to talk about discipleship and spiritual formation in the church. Uh, Sarah has a master's in spiritual formation from Asbury Seminary, And she's also uh, the part-time Spiritual Formation Ministries Director at New Life Downtown. So she's really the perfect person to have this conversation with. And uh, we're glad to have you on the program today, Sarah Jackson.
1: Glad to be here. Thanks for
0: having me. Okay. So guys, let's start here real quick. I want to just working at the level of concept, maybe making some distinctions here. What, What is spiritual formation? If you had to Define it. That's kind of one of the new buzzwords in the church today, spiritual formation. Uh, It used to be that we talked more about discipleship, and it seems like the language is shifting a little bit. So discipleship and spiritual formation, are those things the same? Are they different? Is there overlap? How do you suss those things out?
1: Well, you've started uh, a conversation that between Jason and me could go on for hours. So how much time do we have in our world? We go back and forth. Is spiritual formation under discipleship? Is discipleship under spiritual formation? Is it more like a Venn diagram? And they overlap (laughs) in different ways.
2: Yeah. And I think it really depends upon how you define the terms and people will approach it and look at it a little bit differently differently. You know, if we think of discipleship in a in a really broad picture, that's that's one way to think about it. That's right.
1: Jason's way to think well, about it. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's,
2: it's one of the ways I think about it. But I think some sometimes for people when they think about discipleship mm. They primarily think about Christian education right. and some sort of teaching sort of you know platform of just, we want you to know this knowledge right. is oftentimes the way people think about discipleship. And so where I think the spiritual formation language can be really helpful is it pulls it up and says, no, really, this is all about our spirit being formed into the image and likeness of Jesus, which is much more holistic than just the impartation of knowledge.
0: Well, Sarah, you worked on your master's in this. And so you clearly, you think about this a lot. So I want, I'm wondering how you suss these terms out in your head. How do you, is it a Venn diagram? Are they things that complement each other? How does it work for you? Give us some working definitions that you kind of play with that are helpful for you.
1: Definitely complementary. I can see how it becomes a, which comes first, the chicken or the egg conversation, but in my own mind, what has helped me is to, and again, this could be semantics, but in my mind, I see discipleship as um, the process that you avail yourself to that helps you to know God more fully and mm. to make him known. If you think about what we were asked to do through Christ's um, work with his own disciples, but then also his prayer as he was getting ready to leave this earth, what he wanted them to do, obey his commands, to share his love. And he also wanted them to, um, to know him and to experience him. But as far as spiritual formation goes, I like to think of that as the lifelong journey of surrendering to the love of God and to the will of God, and then all of the practices that help us to become conformed to the image of Christ in our own unique way. So there are things that overlap, just like in discipleship, there are things that we all do as Christians, but there are also unique things, unique means of grace, so to speak, that we participate in because we're unique and communal at the same time.
0: Oh gosh, I love that. Okay, so it seems like (laughs) this is the job description of the church, (laughs) is that we're trying to create environments and cultures where people can be fully surrendered to the will of God, that broad thing that you've talked about. And also they're learning the practices and the habits of following Jesus, more specific discipleship. But we don't do a great job of this. And I'm just wondering if we could talk for a few minutes here, where are we seeing churches falter in creating a culture of discipleship And spiritual formation. Why is this? Why is this hard for us? Where are we falling down over ourselves, tripping over ourselves in the process of trying to do this? What hurts the cause?
1: There's a couple things that come to my mind. One is that we may see it as a mechanical process, and so if we just shove people through some kind of Sunday school process or course or some sort of um, you know specific pathway, and I know we'll come to that in our conversation at some point. I'm not using that in negative terms, mm. but we think that if if we just do the right things, tick the right boxes, then somehow we are producing a real Christian. And yet on the other hand, we have sort of this discipleship light mentality where we think, no, I mean, as long as you've been converted, you're a child of God, man, just live your life. And it's, it's all gonna work out. And I think both of those perspectives are off. Instead, this is a serious work, and also a beautiful experience for us to, to work on together all at the same mm-hmm. time.
2: Yeah.
0: Jason, what do you think? What
2: have you seen? Yeah, I think in, in some traditions, we almost sort of leave it as just a secondary sort of thing. We've emphasized um, conversion conversion to such a degree that discipleship is really kind of an extra add-on. Mm-hmm. It's an optional sort of thing for those who really want to be, you know, sort of uh, over-the-top Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, we're just emphasizing conversion. And after that, everything else is, you know, if you want to, you can mm-hmm. go on and, and get a master's degree, you know, mm-hmm. but you've got to go to college. Uh, so we've sort of, you know, pressed it in this, in this place. And then I think the other thing that we do, and Sarah alluded to, is we just minimalize it, mm-hmm. you know, just discipleship is this, this, and this, and this. Yeah. And like we, we, Hey, we have a course. We've done this course and we almost like make it a factory. Yeah, You go through, you do this, you do this, this. And then it becomes very, you know, sort of corporate or large group. And so we don't factor in things like teaching people practices, teaching people how to pray. And we leave out relationships and mentoring and the one-on-one kinds of things that come into discipleship or really dealing with, Mm. um, uh, a whole, the whole, the whole person rather than just simply one aspect of their life. Mm. You know, sometimes with the one format we're just dealing with, we want to help you to think right. Yeah. Which is great, but what about yeah the kinds of things that have happened to you yeah. that need to be brought into discipleship? What about your relationships? What about your workspace? All of these things are part of... Your life with Jesus, yeah. And so, how do we think more holistically about and it?
0: And they can't necessarily be captured just with a program that we're trying to do, because it's yeah. your whole life here. So it's about having a culture that can address the whole of life. Mm-hmm. Sarah, you're the spiritual formation ministries director at New New Life Downtown. So I assume that you're thinking about this quite often. Like, how do we create? How do we create a culture? It's not just about the couple things that you're doing, but how does our, our the culture of New Life Downtown? How is it conducive to people? Um, stepping into the fullness of being disciples of Jesus formed into the image of Christ. I'm, I'm wondering, kind of when you lay awake at night thinking about these things, what are things that are like, um, what do you dream about for the church? You know, like when you think about church culture, what are the things that you'd like to see as a person who's burdened with these these issues?
1: When I lie awake at night, you said, okay. <laughs> well, I I see how easy it is for for each person, even when we claim to love and know God, to get bound up in how. How how do I practice this? And then we start siloing the different pieces of our life so we don't see how integrated Sunday morning is with where and how we work mm. or how what we talk about in our times with our friends, our friendships also ties into what we're praying about. So we start piecing out our life. And then if we can say, well, I do this well, so I'm, I'm a good Christian, either that comes down to a moral compass sort of situation right. or legalism of church attendance or how many courses I've taken, et cetera. And I think what I wish for the church is a better integration of spiritual and emotional maturity, mm-hmm. emotional health, physical health. Um, e- yes, ethical behaviors, but behaviors that are coming out of a recognition that we are we are working with the Creator of our souls yep. here, who loves us deeply.
2: Yeah, it's really easy to think about discipleship or formation, whatever language again we want to use, as just simply. Clicking boxes, right? And so did you have your quiet time today? Yep. Okay. Did you go to service on Sunday? Yep. Are you serving on a team somewhere? Yep. Are you inviting people into your home? Yep. And so, okay, that means everything is sort of good. But then we 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 silo it off and it's not bleeding into sort of every aspect of our life and thinking about um, what would it look like if my entire life was sort of caught up in... Uh, in the life of God in the world, and what if my entire being was caught up with Jesus? Yeah, you know, this Dallas Willard has lots of sort of conversations around this of saying, what would it look like if if Jesus were what to live your life? Like, yeah. um, and so I love that that perspective mm-hmm. of how do we help people think of their whole life as the place of formation and discipleship mm-hmm. and ministry and the words you need to keep adding words to it. And
1: I think the paradox of this is that it it feels like a hard work. So it does feel easier to just silo our life mm. and to say, "Well, I have ticked some boxes." I mean, like the rich young ruler. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I did all that. But to really be sold out mm. to the love of God mm. as displayed in my own life, mm. I don't know what it is that heavy? Is it not?
0: And who's there to take me by the hand and help exactly. me with that? And, am I alone and I think, in this? Yeah, am I alone in this? And that's where I think a lot of churches, even if they're on the same page with us here, they go, yeah, but how would I do that? And who's kind of leading the way? Who's talking about spiritual formation in this way? And I want to talk to you guys for a few minutes with the time that we have left about the resource that you all have found at New Life Downtown, and now it's starting to come into North a little bit. You found it to be really helpful, and it's the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship material. Uh, put together by Pete and Jerry Scazzera at a New Life Fellowship, Queens, and it's been around for a couple of decades now, and they've developed it pretty extensively, and it really is quite good stuff. So I, I'd love for you to talk about whats what they're trying to do with Emotionally Healthy Discipleship and then how you've kind of seen it applied at New Life Downtown and, and what you think is good about it.
1: To be honest, I picked through this stuff with a fine-tooth comb, yeah, looking for what I didn't like or would throw out. I couldn't find anything because they have pulled from so many resources in in the history of the church and so many faith um or tradition faith tradition streams and they've boiled down discipleship and spiritual formation not to say this is all there is, but this is a launching pad mm-hmm. into the rest of your life. It's also a way of making sense of previous life experiences. And so um, what I love about this material is that it does help us with integration, whether by giving us language that mm-hmm. we share together, that's a culture-shaping experience, or by um, asking for you to set aside time in your life where you are just spending time with God in quiet, mm. in a way that is very countercultural. Mm. And it also gives you a place to process your life with other believers.
2: Mm. Yeah, I, there's so many things about it that I love. You know, the, the whole idea behind the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship material is that we cannot be spiritually mature and emotionally immature. Oh, yeah, that's good. Which is so revolutionary for, for so many of us right. who, you know, emotions were something that didn't really matter. It's right. just about faith and it's just about believing the right things and our emotions were something that we weren't supposed to really tend to and so this material helps us to attend to our emotions in a very integrative way Um, in addition to that Um, So the way that the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship Material works is it's broken into two courses, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and Emotionally Healthy Relationships. That's good. And what both of them do, the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is about developing practices that help us uh, in developing in our understanding and reception of God's love and the way that we love Him. And the Emotionally Healthy Relationships talks about our love for others. And so what they're trying to do is not simply give us information, yeah. but teach us practices and ways of living, ways of being that go beyond right. simply that course.
0: Yeah, it sounds like this is not a box ticker. So it's not a, oh, you completed the Romans Bible study. So you've completed three out of the five steps and you're. But this really is a, it's a launching pad for you to begin to live differently. Is that how we're describing it? Is that right? Yes.
1: Sure. And of course, you're not going to go through eight to 16 weeks of a course, and then say, great, I'm emotionally and spiritually mature, done, thank you. If anything, you finish the course with this realization of where in your life there is something missing and how to engage with either the resources or the people or just the time with God that can sort of fill that gap and bolster these places in your faith that maybe were weak or struggling or missing something
0: so at new life downtown do you make this how how do you guys pitch it at downtown do you make it a hey if you're going to be a leader with us you need to go through this or if you're gonna is or is it just is it is it is it soft pitch are you just kind of throwing it out there and going hey this is good some of us have been helped by this how do you position it in your culture at downtown
2: yeah. So the way we positioned it is uh, we initially, we were, we were so excited about the material because Pastor Glenn's been thinking about it for a long time and others that we were going to blitz the whole congregation with it uh, and say, everybody get into a small group and we're all going to go through this together. Uh, and the folks at Emotionally Healthy Discipleship talked us out of it wow. and said, no, 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 don't do that. <laughs> Start small. And let it go slow, let it seep into the congregation. So uh, we offer one of the courses, uh, or so we go every other course, uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, then Emotionally Healthy Relationships. We do three courses total per year, and it's just open enrollment. So uh, whoever the first people to sign up get in because that when we kind of pitch it, it doesn't actually take us a lot of like pressure into it. We've talked about it, talked about its value open the sign up and the class fills up. And then now we're getting all the residual of people who finish the courses, talking and inviting other people. Um, But then we've been very intentional about doing these things with our staff. Um, and other places, uh, the pastors and ministry directors meeting uh, at at New Life for all of the congregations and really letting it seep into the the congregation. That's so
0: sweet. Sarah, tell me what kinds of feedback you're getting from people at New Life Downtown as they've gone through this and they've lived with some of the insights and they started to walk in it. What are they saying to you about how it's helped them?
1: Well, no one has said... That helped me zero. <laughs> so, well, that's good. Um, probably what I'm hearing the most is that it is challenging the idea that I can just well tick off the boxes, as we've said now too many times. Yeah. And the recognition that there is a space in li- in my life in my personal life where Jesus wants to come to me. Mm to meet with me, to speak to me that I just haven't sat in. I don't make that a regular rhythm. I think that realization has been very powerful. Mm. And when people have been asked to do it and have given themselves to that space during the course, something happens and they realize this, I want this as a part of my life. Um, One of the tenets of emotionally healthy discipleship is slowed down spirituality. And so I think it is causing... Uh, myself included, and participants to ask themselves, where am I just rushing through? Mm. And where am I killing myself at 75 miles an hour? How is there, a, what other way is being offered to me? Um, I had someone say to me that, this is someone in their mid to late 60s who said, I have, this This course gave me language for things that I've experienced that I I didn't know was this valid? Was it not? Because I didn't know what to call the season of my life. I didn't know that I could hit a, a wall spiritually, and that that's a legitimate part of a mm. spiritual journey. And to have language has really helped me mm. to court, you know, see the course of my faith journey and to see it as a work of grace the whole way through. Mm. I think that's probably one of the most powerful pieces of feedback i've heard and then other people saying that they're they're um hear a lot about integration or seeing okay i see how this practice is what i need to integrate and in kind of my weekly time mm-hmm. um it's really powerful to sit around a table and to talk about your spiritual life with other people i i don't know that that most people mm-hmm. make that a discipline in their life and mm-hmm. so to have that experience in a safe environment, to yeah. be received warmly, to hear, oh, me too. Yeah. It's a powerful thing.
0: We're but, almost out of time. Sarah, what do you think a good first couple of steps would be for pastors who are wanting to explore this?
1: Go to the website, emotionallyhealthy.org, and you can find everything there. All the materials, they do a great job of resourcing people to launch these courses in their church. Uh I, I need to continually remind myself that to change a culture, it can take seven to 10 years. And so what we're doing is not a blitz. It's not a one-time thing so that we can say, now we've done it, we've accomplished it. It's just helping develop a pathway or some sort of markers along the way that we can slowly, intentionally do for a long time.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Essential Church Podcast. Our goal is always to strengthen and provoke the thinking of church and ministry leaders. And so if you found this or any episode helpful to you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Your reviews help leaders just like you find our podcast. And if you have any comments or suggestions on people or topics you'd like for us to cover, be sure to let us know via social media. And of course, please do share this and other episodes you find helpful around the web. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you.